0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Thursday, thirsty Thursday. Ha, na, 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 na na How are we all? Welcome if you're listening on podcast. How are we all? Oh, hang on. I thought I'd killed that. How are we all? Yes, we were. We, the title of this, this coffee morning this morning started at Armageddon and it's clambered its way down to a, a more sort of, well, A more realistic or maybe manageable place. Um, Morning, Edward Bevington, Ellery Jones, Karen Taylor, uh, Hillary Daly, uh, Alison Fisher. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, uh, One lady who was shot past... Yeah, this is the terrible shooting, isn't it? The uh, Kansas City Chiefs, is it? The Kansas Chiefs um, celebratory Super Bowl celebrations. Um, It's terrible, isn't it, in America? Um, And not only that, we've also had a Republican senator saying that... um, uh, or politicians saying that David Cameron can kiss her ass, kiss her ass in his claims that... Can I just quickly ask, before we get into any kind of conversation, who here thinks Putin is in any... Not that his What his intentions are. His intentions might be to, I don't know, have chest hair and perhaps, I don't know, have a sort of, I don't know, sort of... I don't know, what's a luxury pad in, in in Barbados or something like that. But who thinks he is as potentially dangerous as Hitler? Do, 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 do you? Do any of you? Let's start off with a light question, shall we? Ooh, we had fun yesterday. But let's start with light and then we'll move to serious. Um, hi, Vicky Waiting. Hi, Keely. Victoria Moore. Yes. Lin Jay. Good morning. Good morning, Lin Jay. Um... Uh, Edward Bevington, I think it's media bullshit. Amy Fenton, definitely. Um, Here's here's the thing that I, true, says Edward here's the thing that I don't understand, right? So, and I think we, we always have to take pause and take stop, stop, stop a little bit. Joanne Smallshaw, definitely, yes. I'm not saying his ambitions aren't those of Hitler, but let's face it. He and this isn't this isn't diminishing what's happening in Ukraine. He hasn't been very successful, has he? I mean it hasn't been easy. I mean it hasn't been easy. His big show off moment hasn't been easy, has it? So I can't imagine it would be any easier taking on NATO. I mean, someone made a point yesterday, a really, really strong point, actually, that I don't know if you've seen the film Napoleon, but way back in the Napoleonic Wars, the Russians, you know, historically aren't afraid of total self. What's it called? Emoliation, is it? What's it called when you self set yourself on fire? Um, they burnt all of Moscow, didn't they, to prevent Napoleon being able to win? I mean, a sort of pyrrhic victory, you could argue. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, it's been a while since watching live. Hi, Annie Steele248. Welcome back. Um, I don't remember you. Oh, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen your name
1: in a, in a long time.
0: Where have you been? Where have you been? Where have you been all these years? Annie Steele, 248. Um, I don't know, I don't know, Putin. I just don't know, I don't know, you know? I mean, annihilation combustion, Lin J. Yeah, self, self-emoliation, self-aggrandization, no. Anyway. Could this be? So a new story was developing last night. That I'm I'm curious to know. What do you think about this? Why has it slipped down the news newsletter? I, I I don't know. Given everything we've now learned about the mainstream media, how much of what we're made to feel, fear, worry about, and think is just total manipulation? You know. So yeah, Putin's not a nice guy. I wouldn't want to hang out with him for a drink. at uh, uh, uh with spoons or anything like that. I certainly wouldn't want him to be in charge of any kind of security council. I don't think he in any way understands human rights uh, or anything like that. I mean, obviously, he's, he's engaged in the most appalling practices in Ukraine. War is not pretty on either side. Um, you know, so, but I, I'm, I've got to, I suppose what I'm sharing with you guys, I want to know what you think. I'm getting to the point now where, you know how, the government was so, and has proven to be over time, even less trustable, trustworthy, and un- um, even more unreliable around COVID. To the point that I think they're going to have a real problem when the next disease X comes along, because everyone's going to be like, "Go fuck yourselves! You didn't do that. You were jump. You were wearing shit jumpers. You were. Wearing- you ordered really awful jumpers. Crime number one." Then you had parties with all your mates, crime number two. Then you did fucking appalling dancing like a la The Office, uh, David Brent, crime number three. Um, And you're telling us now disease X is coming in, which is 55,000 times worse than COVID. We're going to take you seriously. Go sling your hook. That's what everyone's going to say. Everyone's going to be like, no, no, not having it. Not having it at all. To quote Ricky Gervais. Well, I worry. Does anyone... Let's just do this. I worry that us being told that Putin's Hitler... I mean... It's not that he's a nice man. I'm not, I'm not saying he's a nice man, don't get me wrong. We need to be able to have grey thinking here. But is this serving some other purpose? And what other purpose could it be serving? Huh? Uh, Natasha Tiramos, and then you shoved your throat down someone else's throat. Crime number four. Dirty. Dirty, Natasha. You always lower the tone. Don't know what don't know. Don't know why you like that. Mm. Um do you get me? Come on, guys. Why? How are we being played on this one? Because last night, I saw photographs from the US Congress that I've rarely seen before. I've seen, I saw people looking vaguely panic-stricken. I heard that there was a council of the eight, or a meeting of the eight. These are four Republicans, four Democrats, who are part of the Security Council, who had to convene in a private place. I mean, how private any of this is, now we all know it. They had to convene in a private place because they were all so scared. Uh, Now, look, I'm not a fan of politicians in general, but when lots of politicians are running around the White House and Congress and D.C. scared, I think we need to be a bit scared. Or is even this red meat... So this is the... Suddenly, America went into... Everything went into a tailspin last night as America suddenly discovered that there's the possibility... We're still trying to get to the bottom of this. Well, in fact, no, the way the story ran was this. Biden and his government was urged to declassify information yesterday that was of a grave national security concern. That's the, Those are the kind of words, those are the kind of words you think when, I don't know, you know, Mars attacks is happening or, um, you know, something. Some, something's happening. You know, something big. A meteorite's heading towards us or... I don't know, they've, they've stopped making rich tea digestives or something like that. But no, so they all went into, the ta- into a tailspin. And what is it about? Well, reading between the lines, I don't think they've actually officially declassified, but it's apparently about the potential fear of the potential possibility that Putin is putting a nuclear missile into space. Now, there are so many aspects of this that I don't understand that make no sense. Is he firing... Okay, let's unpack this as as I did on the sofa with my feet up watching a bunch of shit on daily. Was he... Has he... Is he firing a nuclear missile in space just for the hell of it? No, it needs a target. Um, What's he firing it at? Satellites, maybe. Is he putting satellites up there that are carrying a nuclear missile, maybe? This is a worry, because then from up there... He can point it at any one of us down here. That's a bit frightening. Half. Remember, this is coming. This is this is this is about a man whose army are using tanks that Airfix, the, the model manufacturers, um, said are too basic. So, so uh, national security problem. Could this all be to distract from something else? Because we've got to a point now where you think, uh, is that serious? That's really serious. So you're absolutely right, good Lollipop. Lollipop. So the idea here is, is that potentially um, this is how it could play out. He's not going to bomb anyone with a nuclear bomb, but what he could do with a weapon in space, theoretically, this is the worry, is take out all of our, the West's phones, internet, all of our comms, all of our comms, which means we won't be able to talk to you like this. We'd have to go up, I don't know, high Parkway, down West Norwood Way, put out a table, get the coffee machine out, chuck it out the back of a VW camper van, and we can all catch up then. People will be driving down the wrong streets with their sat-navs, Uber will be going, no, I'm being serious though. But So obviously, there was something big enough and serious enough of such grave concern yesterday that they all had to text each other and run and find, a, find somewhere that was private where no one could see them or hear them and have a chat about it. And that's all we know. But this is... This is, this is a, can he get a nuclear into space? A nuclear missile into space? Edward Bevington. Putin said he has zero interest in nu- nuking the UK or anyone. They view radiation as deadly. That's good. That's... see see, it doesn't suit... But so why are we having this narrative trotted out? Uh, what is the distraction? Recession? Perhaps. We've entered one. Elections? Perhaps. Need to be, need to be seen to be strong with the enemy. Ah, perhaps because Trumpity Trump 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 has said something like, Putin's a good man. We're going to wreck NATO. So, oh, funnily, hang on a minute. No, there was a question mark about NATO. Is this Biden's attempt to make us all scared again so that we all believe NATO is really important? Me too. My guess is it's something Trump is threatening or has has said rather than something Putin is threatening. Putin hasn't been able to take over 20% of Ukraine. I even begin to think that this sort of Scaremongering, as you call it, Sarah Witherington, of him wanting to take over the rest of Europe. It's, it's, I'm not sitting here saying, you know, I mean, you know me, I'm always trying to look ahead and I think, you know, he's got to be kept in check. And how do you keep him in check? But he's clearly not, he's not, he's not acing it, is he? He's not acing it. MeTube says the threat is not Putin and Trump buddying up. The risk is that Trump simply ignores Putin and focuses entirely on... The- well, absolutely. By omission, Trump will be a great ally to Putin. I think that's how it worked last time. I think Putin just knew that he'll be given a sort of, you know, a free pass. Um, it be interesting to see what happens with Taiwan and China. I mean, as someone said yesterday, China are kind of pulling all the strings in a very quiet fashion. I don't know if you noticed, also somewhere India, uh, very disappointing, India are supplying all sorts of kind of tech and military hardware to uh, Israel, which is uh, a shame, isn't that? It's a shame. This this world, this world where... It's just a shame. I mean, right down to it, I'm going to call them out because, you know, Jordan, I mean, Jordan, Jordan, uh, you know, that is parent the country, you know. You know, come on. You're either consistent or you're not. You don't call out Israel and then prop up the regime by, by allowing military arsenal to pass through you. I mean, how does that work? I don't understand. Because America holds... America holds everyone's bollocks in their baseball mitt paws. And that's not a criticism of any Americans here. I love America. My, I love Americana and America America. But I just don't like I don't like what we're feeling and seeing. Oh, there's a fabulous cup of coffee, guys. So anyway, mainstream media all that. Anyway, so Serious topic. I want to talk about ri- the rise of anti-Semitism. This is running large absolutely everywhere. Um, this is a report. Um, basically, th- what can we do about a nuclear... What, what, what can we do about a nuclear fucking missile in space, eh? I mean, fuck all, really. Um, they could just tell us. I think they should just tell us. Would you rather know? I'd rather know. I'd rather know. I, I like to know stuff rather than kind of... Because bullshit. always bullshit. Anyway. Um, so this is a report... This everywhere, um, and this report in all the main all the main news providers are running this. Um, understandably, more than four thousand anti-Semitic incidents have been recorded in the UK uh, since October the seventh. Um, now, once again. The important thing behind this story is this is... The first question I feel when I when I see something like this is this... Well, the first thoughts that you have about this are, oh, fucking hell, this is just awful. It's awful. It's wrong. Um, you know, events like October the 7th and then the subsequent bombardment, but let's also not forget, as we've talked at great length on this channel, but also we can't pretend that the um, sort of, you know, Arab... Israel conflict between Israel and the Palestinians didn't exist before October the 7th. It did. Um, And so this isn't, you know, that that whole debate isn't new to anyone who's engaged in those regional politics prior to October the 7th. I think the reason a lot of people struggle to get past just October the 7th is, A, the severity of the the attack and the atrocity, absolutely, and that's why it should have been called out, was called out, had to be uh, sort of damped down, uh, responded to in the short term. But none of it, I think most people have got on board with the Middle East uh, crisis and problem in Israel and Palestine only on October the 7th. So it's almost like, you know, you know, like BC, it's like before Christ, like it, it didn't exist before October the 7th. And I think you have to be, you have to be quite circumspect with anyone who believes that this all started on October the 7th, because it's simply factually and historically not true. It's fake news. Um, what happened on October the 7th, October the 7th was an, an absolutely awful and appalling, um, if you like, it, moment of inflammation in an ongoing crisis, um, which has led to an even bigger process of destruction. So, um, yeah. And I think, you know, proportionality and all that kind of stuff, um, I think let's maybe even agree... That for many in who believe that you know Israel is still enacting, uh, you know, are, are still in the process of, uh, you know, enacting self-defense. Um, that you know, that, that there's that some amount. It's a brutal kind of uh, what's the word? A brutal kind of um, arithmetic to use. But there's a sort of okay. Well, let's let's. I mean, I remember talking to someone right at the beginning saying, but it's it's, it's well known, isn't it, that one. Israeli life equates to 30 Palestinian lives, and I think, well, if that's uh, if that's what is well known at the beginning of this crisis, then that's something that in and of itself uh, could have probably led to this crisis um, and needs to be rethought, okay? So, right, anti-Semitism, not surprisingly, has, has mushroom, because if you are an anti-Semite or anti-Jewish, you um, then of course an event like uh, you know what's happened since October the seventh is going to be is going to allow you to entrench your feelings and entrench your prejudice. But the the part of this that that, that frustrates me is so too has it entrenched Islamophobic um, sentiment uh, you know and you know right down to you know I, I had an incident where I was out on Friday where I, I you know again because someone who's relatively well known. Uh, recognised me and I've been outspoken. There was a clear, what I would call microaggressions uh, thrown my way. Uh, I saw it, my mother saw it. Um, and likewise, I've noticed with Nadia wearing her kefir, um, I also think that's the yoghurt drink. You know, there's a sense of vulnerability, you know, and that's kind of, you know, that sort it marks you as Arab or it suggests that, you know, things, images and icons have become so weaponized. Um, now, this report that more than 4,000 anti-Semitic incidents have happened since uh, October the 7th, again, of course, is absolutely fucking ghastly, appalling, and needs to be called out. But the thing that, again, happens with the mainstream media is balance and analysis seems to be profoundly lacking here because there's no analysis of the equivalence in Islamophobic... Uh, you know, attacks. Uh, we've we've heard of killings in America. We've heard of shootings. We've heard of uh, attacks. We've heard of you know. We know. We know. Our children have been on the receiving again, and again, of microaggressions and aggressive and racist uh, attitudes and behaviour. We don't, but we haven't reported them. So the fact that these have been reported is is, is significant and it's awful and it's appalling. And a, a little bit like, do you remember with Brexit? It's like. Not everyone who voted for Brexit, not not everyone who wanted Brexit or voted for Brexit, um, is a racist. But it's a pretty safe bet that everyone who is a racist will have voted for Brexit. And so my point here is is that if you are anti-Semitic or Islamophobic, already or underlying, then the the you know the, the recent events are obviously going to give you sort of unfortunately are going to aggravate that and allow you to kind of or make you feel like you can kind of come out and express it in some way. And it shouldn't be allowed and it shouldn't be tolerated on either side. Where this gets really tricky is that this report comes from a charity called the Community Security Trust. Uh, and they are a charity specifically, they're a Jewish charity, is specifically dedicated to the protection of British Jews against anti-Semitic attacks, again, an an important charity. But my worry with all of this is, no analysis is being done about the one aspect of this conflict that keeps coming back to the front of everything and people, to serve their arguments, try and twist to the left or twist to the right in order to try and avoid this fact. And what, the, what these statistics don't account for is how many of what this charity have defined as anti-Semitic attacks are, in fact, um, anti-Israel protests or anti-Israel sentiment. And I think, once again, we are looking at this um, very nuanced in some ways, but I think it's pretty damn simplistic and obvious, um, conflation of being anti-Israel versus anti-Semitic and the two things are entirely different. Don't let anyone tell you they are. They are entirely different. Um, uh, Do you see what I mean? And so I'd be interested to dive into the absolute nature of so many of these to make sure that what was essentially an anti-Israel protest or comment or, or what have you hasn't been sort of included because it is in the unfortunately it is in the Israeli government's playbook. It's not in it's not in um, it's not in most Jewish people or Jewish Israeli people's playbooks necessarily, but in the Israeli government's playbook it is it is part of the strategy to equate any form of anti-Israel sentiment and say it is automatically anti-Semitism. It's the classic passive aggressive way in an argument of shutting down any kind of debate. It's a it's a it's a method of silencing Because no one wants to have... Because you have to have a bit more of a conversation and say a few more sentences to understand that it's actually more than that. But no one's interested in that. No one's interested in the kind of layers of this stuff. So, on the one hand, this is awful. I think it needs to be called out in exactly the same way. It's exactly, MeChu. It's as bad as... It's as bad as assuming every Palestinian is a Hamas supporter. Which, unfortunately, MeChu... Uh, many in the Israeli government would have you think, which in and of itself is in the foothills of plausible genocide. Because you can't, you know, stating an entire nation is one thing, and then going in and then essentially saying we're going to wipe the, the, the earth clean of these people is, is dangerous. So, my point here is this I'm about to call out. An act that happened in um, in the West End, which I think is is appalling. Um, once again, is it anti-Semitic or did an anti-Israeli performer overstep the mark? I for I for one think that this guy totally overstepped the mark, and this is Paul Curry, who at the Soho Theatre essentially called out, um, I presume, an uh, an Israeli Jewish member of the audience or Jewish member of the audience, um, because they didn't stand up and join in with his Free Palestine protest, which was part of his comedy, comedy show. You see, this, this, this speaks to, for me, I mean, apart from the fact that, with, with the, the obvious exception of Adi, Lee, and, Men- and a few other kind of comedians, they, there's a kind of angry side to some comics, which is kind of odd, because, of course, they're trying to make you laugh. And, you know, some comedians, part of their shtick is their anger is part of their shtick. Um, I felt really sorry for this guy. This 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 was just awful. I mean, if I'd been in that theatre, and you know, a lot of people like might have gone because they thought, you know, it's comedy and oh wow, yeah, and he's kind of he's he's not he's pro Palestine. Um, interesting point, me too. Um, you know, calling, creating a so he created an environment where, and he said to everyone, stand up, and he was waving the Palestinian flag and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then one person didn't, and then he called him out, and then they chanted, and then they got him, They harassed him and basically hounded this guy out of the theatre. That is absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. It's bullying. It's intimidatory. It's prejudicial. But, interestingly, it still isn't necessarily anti-Semitic, because he may have just got, overstepped the mark in his protest against Israel, but he shouldn't have done it, and... The poor guy will have felt absolutely hounded. And in essence, it didn't matter to the guy who was hounded out of the theatre whether the guy doing the show was, was simply saying, free Palestine and I'm um, anti-Israel. He will have felt at that moment called out and isolated for uh, for his culture and for for, for his, his identity and for his, you know, I don't know if he's a practic... I mean, I say this because so many Jewish people aren't necessarily practising, you know, but you know... So th- So that's bad, that is bad. Likewise, I also think that Tobias Elwoods, you know, the minister who had pro-Palestinian protesters outside their home, you know, protest ag- I mean this spe- I mean, I think th- the problem here is, is that unfortunately, moments like this play into the right wing mainstream media supporting of the Israel kind of you know acts in Gaza telegraph readers and that kind of thing it plays into their it plays into their hands really because you know I, we've we've talked a lot about how we support ecological change and what have you but demonstrate in a way that isn't directly personal or threatening and I think you know standing outside a guy's home regardless of what you think of him is intimidating of course it is of course it is um and I don't know. I don't think their rights should be removed in terms of protest and what have you, but I do think maybe there could be something about not, not, not doing stuff in people outside people's personal homes because I think, you know, for the it's not just the guy you're protesting, it's the kid. So, you know, it's not... I wanted to make these points because this isn't about a skewed kind of leaning towards one way or the other. It's about behaviour on both sides that's not right. But it still doesn't necessarily mean... Either of those are anti-Semitic. It just doesn't. And the press will try and have you think that. Um, I think it's tasteless. I think it was wrong. I think it was crude. I think it was stupid. I thought it was ill-informed, this this stand-up comedian. What an absolute moron. What a horrible, stupid thing to have done. And I do think you should come out and say something about it. I didn't mean it like this or I said it like this and I apologize. It's not right. It's not right. It's wrong, but bear in mind when you see these headlines, those numbers are coming from a principally well, it's a Jewish charity, and they there may be a sort of blurring of the at the edges of what is an anti-Israel. Um, you know, I, you know. I mean, Nadia's called an anti-Semite all the time. Someone every time you post something about uh, Palestine and humanity and. Disproportionality, or the history of the conflict, or the crisis, or if every time you talk about the current um, increasing uh, death toll versus the you know um, really you know tragic and urgent issue that is there for the hostages, if you don't mention the hostages in the same breath, someone calls you an anti-Semite. It's just absolute bollocks. It's, it's the most. It's the most. It's the most inarticulately stupid approach to this. I've ever heard. It's not about that. It's not about that at all. So be careful that this word anti-Semitism... And, and you know, so many incredibly articulate, some Holocaust survivors, Jewish spokespeople and people in the media and, you know, uh, influencers and politicians and what have you, have talked about how using anti-Semitism as a way to silence criticism of Israel is a diminishing of anti-Semitism, but also will make anti-Semitism possibly worse. That's the other thing. And there's a strong argument that as much as Hamas's attack was awful, Netanyahu's response is absolutely radicalising the next generation. And I, it, 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 it staggers and frightens me that no one looks beyond the short term. And it staggers and amazes me that people want to pretend there was nothing existing, no problem, before October the 7th. And the reason? Because it suits a certain narrative. People don't want to think about things in a more complicated fashion. It's as simple as that. Minky Moo, I just can't comprehend what is going on. I feel like I'm going mad. You're telling me I need to be kind and polite and respectful and yet my government are supporting this inhumane attack? Entirely agree, entirely agree. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's infuriating. Some people are feeling desperate, says Kaz Riley. It does play into the hands of the aggressors if those representatives of the persecuted are aggressive entirely. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, Emma Muck, it was bullying and he said he was not clapping that his right, that his right, and it was six people who left the theatre. It was bullying. It's bullying and honourable. If I'd been in there, I would have been absolutely outraged. I think I'd have left too. Anything that loses its kind of humanity or any sort of perspective is is frightening. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be angry. Of course you can. But it's what you do with that anger. You don't turn your anger into prejudicing someone else. But, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, how I felt really marked... When I was out the other night and this person in the public eye made me feel marked. Well, I'm not gonna phone up an Islamophobic charity and say, oh, I feel that was Islamophobic. A, I'm not Muslim or Arab, but B, you know, what, you know, do you know what I mean? You know, it it can happen in many, many ways. I mean, I can think of three young adults who are of Arab descent, who are experiencing what I would call high level microaggressions on a daily basis in their schools. Who do they report it to? There isn't a charity for them to report it to. <sighs> what a mess, eh? What a mess. Um, Harry and Meghan have rebranded their website. It's called The Sussexes. Um, fair dudes. Everyone's rebrand. everyone's a brand. It's the, new, it's the new, it's the new, you know, we're a brand, everyone's a brand. Everyone's a brand. You're a brand. I know what I'm getting when I see Natasha Tiramos' name come up. I know what I'm getting when I see Rosbremahita. You know what I mean? That's what social media does. I mean, you know what? In the the grand scheme of things, say the fuck what. Um, And finally, I just wanted to talk about... um, Has anyone heard of something called looks maxing? This is a a thing on... I think it's a TikTok trend. Uh, This is men, principally, uh, going into all sorts of kind of... um, going to all sorts of kind of uh, surgical procedures and uh, coming under pressure. It's body dysmorphia, basically. And it's, but, but it's specifically around things like chisel jaws, pouty lips, hunter eyes. This is all about making your SMV go up. Does anyone here on dating apps know what SMV is? Or even if you're not on dating apps, what is SMV? Do you know what SMV stands for? I've forgotten <laughs> sexual market value. Wow. Um, so this is a, a piece about a guy called James. He got hooked on something called looks maxing. I thought it was looks smacking. Looks maxing, which is an online community of people seeking to enhance their faces. Um, listen to these. He began to hear. Uh, he learned about a strange code where they talk about IPDs. You know what IPDs are? Interpupillary distance, the gap between the eyes. IPDs. The canthal tilt. The canthal tilt? The angles of the eyes. Mewing. Mewing. A tongue exercise that supposedly improves the shape of the jaw. The ultimate goal is to improve your sexual market value. This is something that looks maxing has existed for at least a decade, but has exploded in recent months from obscure forums and TikTok in particular. It's all about chiseled jaws, uh, cheekbones as high as the Egyptian pyramids. It's it's basically boys falling under the um, falling under the kind of whole body dysmorphic. Uh, um, uh, plastic surgery kind of you know thing, cosmetic surgery thing. But yeah, looks maxing, looks maxing. I I worry sometimes that I'm not suggesting for a minute or calling out or body, sh- but I worried for a minute when I saw Zach Efron in the new Iron Claw that he'd had some work done on his jaw or something like that. Or, you know, some men get dimples put in their put in their chin, don't they? Like a, almost like a navel. It's like put. But I, whenever I see that artificially done, I I think I think desperate Dan. I don't think it looks cool. I just think it looks huge bums, cold faces. And also, you know, those chins, huge bums on your chin. It's like a great big bum there. Anyway, guys, I'm off. So look, I'm gonna go and improve my sexual market value. Have a lovely day. Content will be landing on the channel later. What was I gonna say? I there isn't a coffee moaning tomorrow. There will be a wine o'clock tomorrow. Coffee moaning Saturday papers, curly cooks is back live this weekend, pre-recorded no name Sunday show vlogtastic stuff landing and some movie shit too. So have a lovely day. I'm gonna go and create a navel for my chin. And I'm sorry my thumb goes over that at the end.